Hey guys, welcome to our Disney market mini series here at the short term show. Make sure you like and subscribe. We're doing a 10 episode deep dive on not only this market, but all of our markets. So definitely check those out, like and subscribe to those the short term show short term rental management show. We got a lot of shows out there for you guys that hopefully uh, you guys are finding helpful. So uh, a couple things that I want to hit before we go into it is if you are looking for current purchase prices or current income numbers, we have those on our website at the shorttermshop.com. So be sure to check that out. Also, if you're looking to just hang out, learn some things from some other short-term rental investors, we've got you. You can join our Facebook group with us and 60,000 of our closest investor friends where we just hang out and talk about short-term rental investing all day. Same title as my book, Short-Term Rental, Long-Term Wealth. Also like and subscribe on YouTube to the Short-Term Shop channel. Also like us on Instagram at the Short-Term Shop. If you guys have any questions, if you're ready to maybe buy a property in one of our 20 markets and learn how to manage it from us for free, you can hit us at agents at the shorttermshop.com or literally any of the other avenues that I gave you right before that. So let's get to it. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the program. Short Term Shop uh, special episodes. We're in Orlando, uh, number five, and happy to be here. Fantastic team uh, on the show today. I'm along here, Luke Cashflow Carl from the uh, Short Term Shop Director of Education. Today, we're going to talk about building your team. Who do we need? How do you find these people? How do I make a deal happen? How do I get uh, uh, you know vendors to do what I need them to do? I was just talking about this this morning, actually, on a a phone call with a, uh, I didn't know this gentleman, but he was, he was talking about, he was getting ready to start on a rehab, but he was like already working on in his brain. He was trying to find deal number two, three, it was his first house. And he was trying to find deal number two, number three, number four. And I'm like, dude, take it easy, slow down. Let's go back to that first deal and learn a few things in this process with these inspectors and the, and the mortgage folks and, and start asking these people a million questions. And that's what we're here to talk about today. I do have three Absolute rock star real estate agents on the call today. Uh, wonderful to be in your presence. I value a uh, fantastic real estate agent uh, more than just about anything in life, quite frankly. Uh, and uh, it's great to have you guys here. So um, I'll start with you guys on, uh, let's go with uh, Holly. Uh, Hi. How are you? I want to know, how do I find a good agent? What makes a good agent? And uh, uh, and how do I find one in, in Orlando? Well, in my opinion, you just did. <laughs> um, three of the best agents here, um, you know, all with uh, Avery's team, the short term shops. So uh, we know what we're doing. Um, it's short term. I mean, there, there's all kinds of agents. There's so many agents. I don't even know the exact numbers, um, but there's there's different specialties. And we're very familiar with the short term industry and, and what that entails from everything from inspectors to lending and and the training that we go with after with you. So, I mean, there's it's, it's not just a, a one size fits all type thing. And, and we can definitely see, I'll, I'll let them get into it. Sorry, but we'll get uh, no, more into how you can, um, what kind of agents not to go with or who we run into that the second we talk to them, either in the buying side or the selling side, realize that this is probably one of their first short-term rental transactions. You know, it's funny. I was, uh, had another conversation just yesterday with somebody that was looking for a CPA um, and they only had one rental house and they were talking about how this CPA was wanted like $9,000 for a consultation or something like that. And, um, and, and, you know, CPAs are a good CPA is worth their weight in gold, uh, guaranteed for sure. But um, I was thinking to myself, you know, when you come to the short term shop, you get 
uh, somebody who is completely specialized in, in exactly what, what they're looking, what you're looking for them to do. And it doesn't cost you a penny more than any other real estate agent right. out there. And that is I think it could awesome. save you money, <laughs> you know, oh, save you money in the long run, because you're not making a lot of mistakes. And all of us have, are walking, you know, doing, we've all had short-term or do have short-term rentals. And so we've been there, done that also. Walking the walk, talking the talk. Uh, and uh, Wade, without, with the, at the risk of sounding like an advertisement here, how do we, uh, how, how does a noob in particular, somebody who's maybe bought a primary home and no no experience in rental real estate, what are we looking for in a good agent? So first question I always ask is, I mean, do you own property? That's the best question you can probably answer. Because if someone can answer, hey, yep, I've got an active and successful short-term rental in the market you're currently trying to buy in, and or I've owned multiple in multiple markets. Um, once you can answer that question, you know that person has a successful team, they have a track record. And on top of that, they're going to be able to use the resources that they've built with their life and their successful uh, rental to help you build yours. So that's always the first question I ask any market that I go to. But again, short-term shop work here. We all have property here. Um, so it would be an excellent decision to use one of us. Just saying. Yeah. So I think one of the important things is how well are they able to answer your questions? You know, when you do decide to talk to your agent, have a good idea of the market and do a little bit of due diligence before your meeting. So that when you are able to talk to them, you can ask them the appropriate questions and see how well they answer. And that should give you an overall general idea of how well um, they know their market. Um, and you can also ask certain things um, as far as how many transactions they've handled and stuff like that. Um, but really, are they able to answer the questions that you have and make you feel comfortable with moving forward? Yeah. And I, and I want to add there again, I'm not an agent, never, never been an agent, but I, I've uh, bought tons of real estate on the, buy, you know, I've always been on the buy side and I, enjoy my 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 uh, gig there. Uh, but not owning property is not a deal breaker for an agent for me. Uh, you know, because you gotta understand it's expensive. Buying real estate is expensive. Um, so you gotta, you know, I mean, quite frankly, you gotta sell a lot of deals to have enough money to to buy real estate. So, you know, it's, I, I could give a, an analogy. It's like going to a Porsche dealership and, and saying, and asking the salesman how many Porsches he owns. That's, you know, it's a little unrealistic to ask him to to be able to have a hundred and fifty thousand dollar car, you know, uh, or I mean that's used on a Porsche, you know, Porsche, Porsche, whatever. But you get my point. So it's not a deal breaker for me. But you know, I I think that uh, uh, everybody here at the shop, most people do own real estate. They do. I think we we actually counted it up recently. It's somewhere in the four hundred uh, doors area plus uh, for all the all the uh, the team members and and employees at the short term shop. So we're all obviously pretty deep into it. And even if, again, even if it's not with a shop, but if, if as long as that agent has an interest in rental real estate, that's good enough for me. Um, they, eventually they'll get to where they're going. They're probably selling houses, quite frankly, to save up to buy their first rental property. So, you know, um, you got to keep that in mind. Uh, rental real estate is expensive. Uh, and just because somebody doesn't own uh, 12, you know, that's another thing. If I can afford 12 million, 12, $1 million vacation homes, you know what I mean? Like, I'm probably rolling real hard, right? So um, it's not a deal breaker for me at all. And uh, and some people, and again, just to keep going on this, if you're looking for an agent and, and that question's a deal breaker for you, I think that's a mistake. Some people don't understand buying it themselves, but they can still help you um, on, on their end. In other words, uh, here's another stupid analogy. Uh, 
a doctor that is performing tendon surgery on your knee may have never had his own knee surgery, right? But he's done the research. He decided to be really good at his job. So there are obviously more questions you can ask a, a good agent. Um, and that's not a deal breaker for me. Um, but of course, here at the shop, almost everybody does own. Uh, and if they don't, they're they're getting a little closer uh, to to owning. But as far as understanding, not not just owning, but understanding, having those tools in their belt, if you will, um, or the resources like like we do here again, sorry to promote just ourselves, but that uh, we can ask for help. We have assistance. You know, if if we don't know something, we we're, we're and even just in the Orlando area, we're we're communicating daily, asking questions about certain things, and then we have the entire team that we can fall back on as if we happen to not know something. You know, have that have that knowledge base. Yeah, and of course here at the shop, we are very specialized, which is not common. Um, it, it it's almost most real estate agents would almost be afraid to niche down because they're they could be maybe um, you know alienating the primary homeowners. But here at the shop, we don't want primary homeowners. We want uh, people that are buying investments, and therefore we know how you know the permitting uh, the permitting works. We're going to be able to answer questions about how to find a housekeeper. Now, am I going to have a housekeeper's phone number for you? Maybe not, but I can definitely point you in the right direction. And of course, you come to Management Monday, and I'll help you with that as well. But lending is a big thing, though, in in our area with short term rentals. There's which a lot of I feel that agents that I've encountered that don't work in the short term rental or investment market a lot don't understand that 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 um, the type of lending and sometimes even inspections can vary depending on difference. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to get deep into lending, but she's right. The agent needs to know, uh, is this lender going to be able to close this deal? And a good agent's going to be able to tell right away, man, you know, I've never heard of this lender before and that's kind of a red flag. And I close a lot of deals and, um, you know, what, what kind of product are they trying to use? And is this lender from, you know, Cleveland, uh, that kind of thing. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, uh, any, anything else there, Wade, uh, how do I find a good agent? You have anything to recap? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I'm in favor of my agent owning uh, real estate, but it's as long as they have experience in it. And on top of that, um, if you're part of the short-term shop, it's a very select group of realtors. So uh, I find that a lot of the agents here are just above and beyond in every single way, shape or form. Um, so if you're working with us, uh, welcome to the team. And if you're just interviewing a market where we're not located, um, just make sure they are above anything knowledgeable in the local space. That is my absolute number one recommendation. Yeah, I'm actually going through that right now. I'm shopping in a non-short-term shop market and maybe we'll turn it into one. We've got a good agent, you know, he's very friendly and happy, but uh, he he just, you know, he doesn't quite get it. Um, so I'm biting my tongue. And that, that, that translates to being a good buyer, right? So, you know, you got to understand if it's your first time buying, you might not know what you don't know. Right, and exactly. For, for me, with this guy, I I don't really. It doesn't really matter to me that he's kind of you know like he's almost glossing over things here and there, like that. Oh, that that's not how we do things in this town. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's because you don't you you've never done it the way that the, we're doing it here in the future. You know, and move on because I've done it a hundred times, and uh and and you know I just really just need him to negotiate for me and and do the paperwork and all that kind of stuff. So it's nice. You know, it's very refreshing for me when I do buy in a shop market because uh, I know I'm going to get the best and I almost kind of don't have to think about it. Not to put too much pressure on you guys, but uh, uh, let's talk uh, uh, podcasts and, um, uh, you know, there's this 
kind of a stigma out there for noobs that you're supposed to talk to multiple agents. Um, I've got many thoughts on this. Of course, I'm also married to one of the biggest real estate agents in history. But uh, Jessica, uh, you find out that a client is talking to more than one agent. Um, I guess it's probably not the best way to put that. But, you know, like, what are your thoughts on that? Okay, so I think maybe when you're first starting out, you may need to talk to a few agents to kind of figure who you need to work with. But if you're very serious, I think your best option is to narrow down and work with one agent. Um, As an agent, you know, I'm not going to give you 100% if I know that you're also working with multiple other agents. Um, Our time is valuable. (laughs) So, um, you know, I, I do think it's important that if you're serious about buying, that you develop that relationship with the realtor that you chose. Right. Beautifully spoken, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. 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 You nailed it. And it's it's a little cringeworthy when I hear somebody doing something like that. It, and again, it's a noob, uh, kind of like maybe an anxiety kind of thing. And I get it. Uh, but at the end of the day, it is very much a too many cooks in the kitchen thing. Uh, I, I think that if somebody were to find themselves, let me put it this way. If you heard that on a podcast somewhere that you should talk to as many agents as possible uh, after you've closed one deal, I think you're going to change your mind and be like, man, that really just complicated my life for no reason. Um, I, I just don't think that's a, a very, but for whatever reason, it does kind of float around uh, quite a bit as far as content and uh, social media. Um, it's kind of like, and then, about what would you would want at your job? Would you want to, whatever your job may be, would even, I don't know if you're talking to somebody over the counter, you're talking to them, giving them information, if they're like looking at their phone or doing something else, talking to somebody else, you know, it's the respect of I'm giving you my all. I would appreciate it back kind of thing. Like if, how how they would want to be treated at, at their jobs also. Absolutely. And then let's talk about communication. This is a huge one for me. I've got um, many thoughts on this actually in a couple of different directions. Um, but, uh, the, you know, a lot of folks say just, you know, whoever answers the phone first is the best real estate agent. And I do agree with that, honestly, to a certain extent. But uh, uh, what are your what are your thoughts on just communication in general, Wade? So communication should be one of the highlights of your relationship with your agent. But do understand if they are a producing agent who is one of the few that is operating in the space that you're looking, they might not be able to get back to you right away. So that is something that is, again, it's a highlight of the relationship, but also understand that you're uh, probably going to be in a situation where they're closing two, three, five deals a month. Um, and they might be on showings with clients. They might be writing other contracts, things like that. It can take sometimes half hour for someone to get back to you. Or if they're in a Zoom, perfect example, uh, they might <laughs> be on a recording session. So if that happens to be the situation, just be understanding. But they should be reaching out to you with... Uh, some sort of update or something like that, at least within a reasonable time frame. Is that? Uh, am I to assume that means that you're getting you got a, te- a client text? So I missed like three phone calls. <laughs> <laughs> so. uh, yeah, it's a fine line for me because you're right. You know, I mean, I do. I like quick response. You know, like get back to me right away. I will close this deal. I have bought deals that I probably wouldn't have bought if the agent wasn't such a rock star. Uh, and I and for me, rock star is somebody that communicates quickly. But again, a really awesome agent that closes a lot of deals is going to be busy. Of course, it depends on the market as well. You know, uh, a year and a half ago, two years ago, he could, good luck. You couldn't even get somebody on their first deal that would write you back because they were so busy out there. 
Now, you know, today uh, we're recording this in the fall of 23. Things are definitely slower. So that's something to consider. Things can change based on the market. Um, but I, I do think there is a fine line there. If your agent can't make a certain amount of time for you, like at least, you know, maybe per day or every other day to actually, you know, respond and get things done, then maybe their head is somewhere else, you know, or, or, and then that's another thing. If it's somebody that doesn't close a lot of deals and they're not responding, that's probably a problem. If they are somebody yeah, that closes a lot of deals and they're not responding, it's because they're closing deals. And where I come from, that's my, that's my job. My job is to close deals. Um, and so I need somebody that can do that. And I know that if they're, if they're too busy to talk to me right now, it's because they're doing that for somebody else and they'll get to me sooner than later. Uh, and then I'll get my time. You know, I so I just want my time, you know, give me an hour, 45 minutes, whatever it is, every couple of days, that kind of thing. But, but uh, any other thoughts on the communication there, Holly? Um, I mean, I, I agree with everything. Um, and, and maybe tell your agent or, or have a discussion with your agent of the best kind of yes. communication and in our market, especially, and I'm sure other markets too, different time zones. I mean, we have folks in Hawaii or other countries and they'll be calling. It's 11 o'clock at night here. It's like four in the afternoon for them. So, you know, be respectful, you know, try to get that communication um, worked out at, at the beginning so that you're, you're on the same page. And, um, and, and then there is like you, you said, you like to, to close deals with your agents. Um, sometimes if you're a newbie, you have a lot of learning questions type things that, like you said, we may have to be closing a deal and the learning questions, like if you're looking to buy say a year, it may not be a top priority, you know, like it, it's still urgent and very, very important to us, but not something that we can get to when we're trying to save a crashing deal kind of thing. So there is like a, a sense of urgency in our timeframes of calls sometimes as well, if you could just understand that, if it makes sense, you know. Yeah. And I think that that goes back to your point exactly is to set the expectation, just be honest and cool. I mean, that just goes for any kind of business transaction or anything in life. You know, if you're cool and you're honest and you're telling the truth, um, you'll get what you want. So, you know, to, to point Holly's point number one, if you need more communication, just tell them that, you know, uh, say, Hey, listen, I need you. Cause they may think that you don't want them that you, you don't, they don't want you breathing down their neck or whatever, you know? So, um, uh, or the other way around, but you know what I mean? So in, in other words, just say, Hey, I need an hour from you a day. Um, I need more communication or this is not going to work. Cause I'm getting nervous over here, whatever the case may be, just be cool. And they'll, you know, uh, and, and they'll, they'll be cool with that. You know, I, and, and everybody's going to respect that just being honest and, and, uh, and open and upfront. Um, and then as far as, uh, buying in the future and the noob questions, what you're referring to, same thing there. I would, again, I'm not an agent, but if it was me, somebody calling me and uh, they say, hey, I'm going to buy in a year. I'm not ready yet, but I have a lot of questions. I'm going to be super psyched. But if they say, because a lot of times that comes, you're afraid to come across as a tire kicker and, uh, or, or you do come across as a tire kicker because you were afraid to be open and upfront, right? Like, so you're saying, uh, you're asking these noob um, questions, but you're not making any offers. You're not be showing that you're serious, that kind of thing but you're, you're telling them that you're serious, that's going to get you in trouble. So, but if you're up front and you say, Hey, I'm really not going to be ready to sign any contracts for probably like a year. I'm going to be honest with you, a good salesperson in general. Uh, you know, I'm talking about like, uh, uh, what's the guy's name? Uh, I'm reading one of his books right now. I have such a horrible memory, you know, like a Cardone type guy or a, what's that guy's name? Give me a second. They're going to, they're going to feed on that. Wait a minute. You said you're not ready to sign in a year. Watch this. You know what I mean? So 
Oh, Zig Ziglar. Uh, that's when the Zig Ziglar kicks in, you know, and you're like, oh, uh, watch this, man. I'm going to get you in six months. Um, and that's really what, what we want as a buyer. That's what I want as a buyer. I want somebody that can turn those fears in 12 months uh, into t- reality. And let's get this going. You know, how can you paint the picture for me to get this actually to work within the next, you know, little while? I want to change my life. That's why I'm here. Right. I want my life to get better. I want my 401k to not be so damn important in my life. I want the stock, the ups and downs of the stock market to not completely, you know, rule my, my day-to-day mood, you know? And that's why we come to rental real estate. Um, and, and, and listen, I, at the end of the day, I'm trying to preach. I'm, I'm like, I want to change everybody's life all the time. That's my thing. Um, and, uh, and we hope that we can do that for, for you as well. And, and we hope that, uh, and we, and we know that we can, you know, so, um, are, are great deals easy to find? Hell no. We're not here to talk about that today, but um, we will do our best to find you one uh, for sure. Uh, and again, I'm rambling at this point, but communication is definitely uh, key. Massive, massive. Uh, just if you're not getting what you want from your agent, just tell them. And what's the worst they say? Sorry, I can't give you what you want. Then you go find somebody else. You know. Um, let's talk about referrals. Uh, a lot of folks don't even really know what that is. And basically... Again, back to the social media thing, um, you never want to post on a Facebook group or, a, or anywhere on the internet and say, does anybody have a good real estate agent in Orlando? Because then what you're going to do is you're going to get, you know, like, let's say you're in a mom, soccer mom group in Chicago. Um, I said Chicago because I know Holly used to live there, but I uh, love that town. But anyway, you're going to get some agents in there that are like, oh, yeah, I know a great agent in Orlando. Let me hook you up. And then they're just like finding whoever is at their same brokerage in Chicago in, uh, in Orlando, and they're taking 25% of the deal. Um, and, you know, I'll be honest with you, people that operate that way, doing the referral thing, they're generally not that great agents in, in my experience. Now, sometimes you can get a good one, but uh, um, how do we combat that? You know, I mean, how do I make sure that there's like not – somebody reaching their hand in the cookie jar, I guess, just ask them, uh, Wade, you know, Hey, uh, do you actually know this person? Have you done a deal with them? That kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. So, um, for me, it comes down to relationships. Anytime I ever say, Hey, I know another agent in a market you might be looking to. It's one that I have an ongoing relationship with. I've probably sent them deals in the past and it's going to be one where I know I can trust that person to take care of a buyer of mine in the event I'm sending them a referral or I'm sending them like, hey, this person has questions about the market, can you answer them? They need to be to, I would say, the same caliber I would expect of myself and how I would expect to be taken care of. Um, And if your agent or if you're looking for a referral or something like that, um, again, they have to be able to answer the complex questions. That's just kind of like finding your own agent. Um, The agent that's doing a referral should be able to do that for their buyer. Yep. Well, long story short, if you're looking to buy a vacation home, come to the shop. Simple as that. Uh, it's all we do all day, every day, you know, and, uh, and, and we're proud of it. You know, we want to, we want to make sure you're taken care of. And if you found this, uh, if you found this podcast, uh, you know, uh, we're just trying to get you to drink the Kool-Aid. So come on in. The water's good. Dip your toe in. We're ready to rock. A lot if, of agents, I think good agents are honest though. Too. I mean, not that you shouldn't be honest, but honest though too, because like even just the three of us, if we're not meshing or may not have time or the abilities to handle something we were like, Hey, wait, you know, I'll be like, wait, can you help me out with this client? Like we, we, we don't mind referring to others if it's best for the other person. Does that make sense? 
Yes, absolutely. You know, um, we're, yeah. Any final thoughts on uh, agents as we, we'll get get ready to move on to uh, lenders here? Okay, cool. Um, we are going to have an entire podcast on finance, uh, but uh, I just want to briefly cover uh, how do I find a good lender? And uh, my my answer to that is always ask my agent, always, because they're closing deals and they are going to know the lender that can close deals. But uh, uh, you guys, you know, like uh, your Rolodex of lenders, uh, where do those numbers come from and, and, uh, and how do they, you know, keep earning your business? Ability to close. <laughs> so if you've got a complex deal, uh, it also depends on the type of loan that you might be looking for. Um, a lender that's well-rounded and able to pretty much close most loan products is awesome. But if you've got a lender that specifically does DSCR, second home loan, things like that, and they're just, every single deal is just streamlined, straight to the point, no extensions, you're not struggling to get them on the phone. Um and they're able to answer your questions. That is a phenomenal lender. I want them to be my best friend. I will buy them dinner. <laughs> um, that's what I'm looking for in a lender. Jessica, uh, do you have a one lender that you go to all the time uh, or do you have, have multiple a, lenders? I have a few different lenders that typically what I'll do is after my first initial call with clients, I will send them the list of lenders that I work with. And also email the lenders CCing my clients so that the lenders can reach out directly to them, but they know who's going to be reaching out to them. Um, you know, and they'll spend a little bit of time on the phone with you, kind of explaining the products that they have, the process. And at that point, it's kind of up to the client on which lender that they choose to work with. Um, but you know, we're definitely here to give you the resources that you need to make that decision. Uh, are they um, local? Uh, do you have yes. nationwide lenders yeah. as well, or what do you prefer? The lenders that I work with are all local to Orlando. It's super helpful um, just knowing like certain things like the HOAs and you know townhomes versus condos. Um, sometimes when you're using an out-of-state lender, um, I've definitely seen that complicate the process. So if you can use a local lender, it's always going to make things easier. Are these brokers or local banks or what, what are we looking at? Uh, usually local banks. And but are they sourcing these deals from Fannie Freddie? They're they're brokering them out to uh, other agencies or that kind of thing, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, typically that's what I've seen happen. I know that some of the um, banks that we've actually worked with, I know that they have been um, like sold to right. other companies after closing. So typically, yeah, that's, yeah that's that's what we do see. Yeah, with a conventional loan, usually they're going to sell it to another. Uh, they call it a, a servicer, uh, you know, and that and they just kind of kick it, kick the can down the road. So. If you're brand new, expect that to happen. Not a big deal. Um, but uh, yeah, usually we're looking at like brokerage type situations or local banks have that too, though, where they'll, they'll, uh, they'll still sell it out in the, on the uh, open market. Um, Holly, uh, do you, uh, what, how do you feel when somebody comes to you and they already have their own lender? Is that, uh, does that ever go well? Can it go well? Or does it always go bad? Oh, it absolutely can. It can. Um, you know, I'm not familiar with every single banking institution that we have in, in the United States. So I'd like to get on the phone and speak with their lender to make sure that they understand the area and the kind of pre-approval or pre-qual that they gave and, and things like that. Because there are some banks that I have spoken to and they're like, you know what, you're right, we don't handle that type of product. And they'll let their client know that they should look somewhere else. You know, so I don't just want to um, uh, push someone aside not knowing. And I have added people to my, like you said, Rolodex or database because a client... Mm -hmm brought them in and they closed and I was impressed. And so I'm like, Hey, can I, you know, keep your number to refer to other clients? So most everybody that I like to recommend is because they've 
the proof is in the pudding. They've done it. Um, it doesn't mean that other ones coming in, you know, I can't force someone to change their bank. Um, so I give my advice and then sit back. And if it goes well, I'm super happy. <laughs> rock stars, no rock stars. Uh, you know, so if you've chosen wisely uh, with anybody in, in the whole process, you know, uh, they're going to know other people that are kicking ass as well. Uh, Wade, with somebody is our a particular lender or two? Don't name them. Don't name them. But uh, <laughs> does it ever happen where somebody comes to you with a lender and you roll your eyes and say, "Oh man, this isn't going to go well"? It it happens every once in a while. Um, I, I feel like by the time you get into the investment space, most people realize there are just some institutions that have a name that you kind of stay away from. But every once in a while, um, I have had that happen where. We have to be a little bit careful with um, how we approach this sh the situation and uh, really it's just educating and saying, hey, you know what, um, ask them about their experience, how many of these deals have they closed and that kind of stuff. And you know, it never hurts to also reach out to two or three other lenders as well, just to see what else is out there. So if you've got your guy, awesome, especially if you're an experienced uh, investor. And if it's new, if you're newer into this whole realm, it still never hurts to at least get multiple opinions from multiple people, um, at least in the lending field for what it is their their depth and knowledge is and what it is you're trying to do. So um, it, it's it's just something you should be careful with. Just make sure who you're talking to is educated. One more thing I want to point out, and again, we're going to have a huge, uh, we're going to have another podcast on this subject here. Um, but you can run your credit as many times as you want. And I believe it's a 45-day period with as many lenders as you want. And it's only one credit hit as long as it's for the same purchase. In other words, if you run your credit, um, and 10 times and you buy a house, but you want to buy another house in the same 45 day period, you're going to have to run it again. It would be a second credit hit for a second house, but you can run it as many times as you want for the one purchase. And again, don't quote me. I'm not a licensed loan officer of any kind like that, but, uh, uh my knowledge is 45 days. And again, do you really want to be shopping around to a hundred different lenders? I mean, maybe your first time around, but it's, it's going to be a lot of work. Uh, and you're probably going to annoy some people in that process, but just wanted to be wanted people to be aware that uh, it's only one credit hit if you're if you're worried about uh, your score going down. All right, home inspectors, home inspectors. I'm a home inspector. Well, I went to home inspector school, never practiced. <laughs> I do. I enjoy the gig. Uh, knowing knowing my way around a house is, uh, you know, it's one of my my opinion. You kind of one of the reasons where I am today. Uh, learning from my dad and my grandfather, that kind of thing. So. Um, what makes a good home inspector? Uh, in in your eyes, uh, I shouldn't pick the person before I ask the question, but I'm going to go with Jessica. <laughs> so obviously, your home inspection is going to be a very important part of the contract process. Um, your agent should be able to give you a few suggestions, um, but you're also going to want to do your own research, whether you're looking the company up online, um, taking a look at different reviews, also talking to um, the company to see what kind of products they offer um, and then you know see what fits for you and what you're actually looking for. I have some clients who prefer using bigger inspection companies who can get out there right away, um, but then other people also like the smaller personal approach that smaller companies can give you. So you know just make sure that they're qualified to be doing what they're doing. Um, typically your agent wouldn't be giving you any recommendation for a company who's not um, you know qualified. 
but um, just make sure that they're able to answer their questions and that you're going to be able to value their opinion on, um, you know, what they say about your home. Yes. And Holly, uh, when I'm uh, a buyer, am I hiring the home? Uh, or or should the uh, agent be involved? In other words, uh, do you just say, here, hire this person or how does that work? Well, a lot of our clients are buying from out of state and may not even see the home. They may not even see the home before they close on it. So uh, the inspector is a major component of, you know, they're being their eyes and ears. And so like I just said, I'll give recommendations of ones that I know have done a great job with uh, previous clients that have closed and they make their choice. Um, and then they, they've set it up and they uh, pay for it because they choose which options they want and, and things like that. And then I can, uh, be there, but the inspector, the inspector knows more than I do. They know more than the home buyer does. So I'd like to stay out of the way, let the inspector do the job. They're going to do an extremely detailed report. Usually um, they have videos and pictures. They can FaceTime at the end with um, out-of-state clients. They do things like that. So they, it's it's very detailed um, scope and, and reports that you get from them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's totally up to the client's preference. Right. Um, and Wade, as the client, am I, you know, does this, who does the home inspector work for? So they work for the buyer. They always work for the buyer. The buyer is the one paying them. They're the ones they work for. Um, so it, it's very crucial for you as a buyer to find an inspector, one that's recommended it, but two that you also are, think you're going to have a great relationship with. Because if you're buying there multiple times, you'll probably be speaking with and um, making sure that they have the ability to articulate um, any of the issues inside the home with you without also uh, making things uh, too dicey for or kind of just scare things away to, to effectively articulate the issues wrong inside the home. Uh, can a home inspector, well, I'll go back to Wade. Uh, can a home inspector over inspect? Um, so I, I don't think you can over and inspect, but I do think you can over scare some people. <laughs> so um, we've had some situations where, you know, a pool liner might be, oh, you know, the pool liner is completely ruined and it's absolutely uh, torn to shreds. But what they uh, might not be sharing is that you can get it paid for by the seller for a few thousand bucks and it's good as new. Um, So it is their job to find issues wrong inside the home, um, but they don't always communicate that effectively. So making sure that um, if it's just like there's an AC leak or something like that, um, again, that's only a couple hundred dollar fix in most situations. And uh, from there, being able to articulate that it's only a couple hundred dollar fix really does go a long way with uh, keeping um, tempers low. <laughs> I like to uh, go over my inspection with my agent. Um, it, it, do you guys have a system in place for that? Did, when, the, when the inspection comes in, do you call the client and have a conversation with them? Or is that kind of depends on the client, that kind of thing, Jessica? Yeah. So um, typically I will always reach out to the client and ask them, you know, Hey, do you want to set a time to kind of go over your inspection? Um, you know, any, I would like to know, you know, any items that may worry you just so that we can kind of talk to them and figure out where to go from there, whether it's asking for a seller credit. Um, typically, you know, when items do come up, I would prefer that a client ask for a seller credit rather than asking the seller to fix those items, just because that can kind of complicate the process. A lot of times sellers don't address the problems correctly, or also try to cover them up. So, you know, any any issues that you're going to want to get fixed, we're going to, you know, bring that to the list agent and ask for a credit for you to be able to address that. 
or if it's a very large item, sometimes um, we can't come to an agreement. And at that point, you know, we may end up backing out. Yeah. It's interesting you bring that up. Cause I remember when I first started, we were, I don't know if it was because we were new or we were broke or both, but we were always asking the seller for stuff, you know, like, can you replace this faucet? And mm-hmm. I have a, actually a very specific example. Uh, I, I know when I stopped doing that and it was because they didn't get it done. It was a, it was a soaker tub in this little house and the, the, the faucet was leaking and uh, we were, and it was subfloor was getting wet and we were fairly new. I think it was my third house, fourth house ever. Um, and we said, we, we need to get that faucet replaced, uh, in the repair proposal, you know, and, uh, on inspection and they sent some guy over there and he did replace it, but he purposely put the handles on backwards. Like they were facing the wrong direction. Like Mm -hmm. it was almost kind of like a a slap in the face. Like you, you made us change this, uh, faucet, but we're going to change it even worse than it was before. Now, I don't think the seller did it on purpose. I don't think he even knew it was going on. Quite frankly, I think he just sent uh, his property manager or whatever, sent uh, a handy person. And I think they knew they were losing the property, so they didn't care. And, and I was mad. I was annoyed. And at that point, I mean, it was so much work. It was so much work just to get them to go over there and swap that thing. That when I showed up and they hadn't done it right, I just was like, I'm done with this. Uh, you know, that was that I had a moment where I was said, you know what? I'm not going to ask the seller to do any stupid stuff anymore. I'm just going to, you know, get the deal closed, fix this stuff uh, when I when I own the house and get it done the way I want to do it. But again, I don't know that that's right. The right way for everybody. Uh, but that's definitely the way I do it now. If I can get a couple of bucks, that's fine. Are you going to get a couple of bucks for a faucet? Probably not. You know, can I, can but, I write two, two things here in Florida though? And it is like you said, uh, fall of 2023, but what our standard contract here is called the as is contract, which means you're purchasing ideally the home as is the inspection here is just, um, we, we have a right to an inspection, but you say that you're purchasing the home as is. So requesting a credit for any of these repairs is does not even have to be answered by the seller. Um, and we kind of want to tread lightly and not piss the seller off. You know, when you're like, hey, you know, fix this faucet and that one drip and this one light bulb is upside that, you know, it's burned out this and that. And the seller's like, you know, they're they're trying to do a transaction and move on. And if we're annoying them, they can very easily just be like, nope, we're not doing anything. We'll go on to the next buyer. So you want to be careful of that as well. Yeah. And to my knowledge, again, not a licensed agent, uh, me personally, but uh, I I have homes in three different markets in Florida. I think that as is thing is the entire state. Um, Is that your impression as well? Yeah. Yeah. We have multiple different types of contracts Um, here, but the as is standard. Let's talk about cleaners. Um, handy people putting together kind of the management side of things, something I've done a hundred times. Um, and, and for me personally, it's funny cause I I'm shopping right now. Um, and I just uh, went to the market I'm shopping in and I stayed in the short term and, uh, the cleaner's name was on the refrigerator. So you better uh, believe that I took a picture of that thing, you know, and uh, I'm going to call them up now. Th- this house wasn't, you know, probably up to my cleaning standards, but, uh, uh, that's okay. You know, and I was actually there with my, my family and my mother-in-law has a, a short term as well that she manages herself. And we were, we were kind of gossiping about this house and that kind of thing. And, uh, and she goes, you know, it's probably not the cleaner. It's probably the homeowner because 
There were some other little things around the house, like her. She didn't have a Keurig for one thing. She her washer and dryer were really old, and and my my mother in law made a good point that owner of the home probably just doesn't really make this cleaner. You know, probably doesn't pay for deep cleans stuff like that. But anyway, I don't know if I had a point, but my point is, uh, you got to keep your eyes open when hiring. This is my forte, the management side of things. And of course, if you buy a house with this short term shop, you'll come to Management Monday with me. Uh, every Monday, it's a lot of fun. We have a, a big old party, a little lunch break, liquid lunch with Luke, if you will. And uh, also, I have a podcast on the subject, short-term rental management. But, um, oh, here's another one. I'm shopping. I'm just so exciting. I haven't shopped for a while. It is and, exciting. Uh, and I walked I walked another house. It was actually one that Avery liked. And we might, we may, it might kind of on the back burner. I think it's our second choice. Um, and... The coffee table at this house had a binder uh, that we happened to notice it and flip through. And the first page of the binder was all of the vendors that this homeowner used at this house. Um, and it even had detailed little notes. I think she made it for potential buyers. So if you buy this house, call this roofer. He knows this house. Call this plumber. They know how the water heater works, all that kind of stuff. So I took a picture of it, you know. Um these folks are out there. They're actually way more out there than they used to be. That is one of the biggest fears for new people. Oh my goodness. How am I going to find somebody to clean this thing? How am I going to find somebody to take care of it? I live 10 States away, that kind of, you know, but uh, the truth is, is everybody lives at a distance at the shop. We, you know, we specialize in vacation homes. Nobody really wants to vacation in the town that they live in. So if you're going to do this, it's probably going to be at a distance. And my, my best suggestion here is, uh, before I start asking questions of you lovely folks, uh, and I'll go with Jessica first on my first question, which I haven't asked yet. But uh, anyway, <laughs> keep your eyes open. Keep your eyes open. Put yourself out there. If you're looking for something in life, it's just like dating. You know what? I don't want to be single anymore. I'm bored. I want some companionship. Well, you're not going to find it if you're stuck at home watching TV on your couch. You got to put yourself out there. It's exactly like that when finding a cleaning person or handy people. Uh, get on Facebook groups, wave the flag loud and proud. I'm looking for new, uh, a new housekeeper. I'm going to go even further. I'm going to hit you in the face with this one. I hear all the time. I can't find a good cleaner. I can't find a good cleaner. That's your fault. It's because you suck to work for is what it is. I'll be honest. If you want to be, if you want to have a good cleaner, you need to be a good host. Simple as that. Um, Jessica, do you have cleaners in your network? Um, how does that work? Like, are, are you, do you walk, wander around and find good cleaners and put them in your phone or are they difficult to find? We do have, you know, quite a few cleaners that our clients have worked with regularly. So we are able to offer some recommendations. Um, typically, you know, I've met some actually really good cleaners just being out in houses, whether it's I'm going in for a showing because a lot of times we'll see cleaners leaving. So, you know, typically in that case, I'll grab their card, you know, while we're passing through the door um, and then kind of take a look at their work. You know, if the house is clean, I look, you know, for certain things to see if they're doing their job well to know if it's even, you know, someone that I would want to potentially add to our list of recommended vendors. Um, or add to do not. <laughs> or do not. Yes. <laughs> we run into some of those as well. So, um, you know, that's that's what we're here for. We spend a lot of time working in our market, getting to know the people that also work in our market. Um, so, you know, we're able to definitely give you recommendations. And at that point, you know, you can talk to them, interview them, see if it's someone that you'd want to work with and go from there. My opinion, and you guys might differ on this. This is, I think this is open to interpretation. There's no right or wrong answer. But for me, 
I wait until I'm ready to for a, I have a gig for them. You know, in other words, if you're uh, if you're not going to be ready for guests for like four months or something, maybe you're uh, with a manager for a while, or maybe you're remodeling your kitchen. Um, especially if it's heavy season, if it's busy season, I think they're going to be like, wait a minute, you, you don't want me to clean this house for how for two months? That I don't understand that. Why are you calling me? Call me yeah, when you need me to clean time. it. Yeah. So I don't know. I think that could go either way. Maybe you want to get ahead of it. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, and then also I want to point out, uh, local Facebook groups for sure. Um, and then, uh, turno is, is a new, uh, it's not new, but it's, it's getting better all the time marketplace for finding cleaners, but just come to the shop management Monday. We're going to teach you how to do all that stuff. Pool cleaners, easy to find in your market. Uh, are, are they abundant Go to find a good pool cleaner? Pool cleaners? Yes. Are they easy to find? Yeah, there's, there's a pool everywhere. Just ask each person on each side of you <laughs> go up and down the street. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, yeah, there's, they're, they're a diamond dozen, but you want to find again, like Jessica was saying, you, you know, it's, this is your business. Interview them, ask questions, find the match for you. And treat yeah, them what well. about, what about themers? I know that's a big can of worms because we could be spending multiple tens of thousands of dollars or whatever on, uh, on the theming. I don't even know if that's a figure, but, uh, uh, you guys would obviously have recommendations, but how do I even know that a themer, you know, is worth a damn because he throws some pretty big bills at you, uh, Wade. Yeah. So the big thing for me on themers is their ability to keep a proper time schedule. <laughs> um, Facebook groups, if you're part of the Orlando short-term shop Facebook group, um, we have a lot of our contacts in there for themers. People post their recommendations all the time and, People aren't recommending someone that they had a bad experience with. Um, we have plenty of themers that we've worked with in the past that are highly recommended with all different budget types in mind from just a couple thousand bucks to I've seen flight simulators inside some homes. So all shapes and sizes. Um, just ask to see their work. If they have a current project and you happen to be in town, see if you can walk that home with them. Um we just recently had someone who hired a themer that you can see on the photos looks amazing. But if you go take a closer look and you walk the home, um, you can see the quality isn't quite there. So it looks great on surface, but underneath it's kind of a uh, cut in corners. So um, making sure that's something that you're also kind of protecting yourself with. If they're a highly recommended themer, usually they they don't have those issues. So um, reach out to other short-term shoppers, uh, Facebook groups, things like that. And if you love someone's theme on even maybe Airbnb, um, reach out to the person yeah. on Airbnb and see who did their house. So a lot of different ways you can get uh, names. All right. Well, listen, we've done it all. We've said it all. Um, anybody have anything to recap or, or are we, are we good to move on to the next uh, episode of this lovely podcast? And can I talk about, um, just so everyone knows, uh, pool and cleaners and things like that, have a backup, be sure you have a backup. Um, that's something that I've struggled with specifically with the pools in our market. Um, be sure you have a backup, uh, to some capacity of any of these vendors that we're referring to. They can be amazing, but you know, some people have their days where, uh, they aren't able to accommodate and they drop the ball. Be sure you have a backup. Um, especially if, uh, you're, you have more than one in one market, even then I would maybe have a second or third backup for any vendor that's, um, used in any market. I'd like to just add that um, for, for building your buying team, we are all here um, willing to help and excited to help because we love this. Um, 
same with everybody in our in our Rolodexes. Um, everybody's excited, but also know what like do some research yourself. You're building a business. And so we're here to help, but can't do it for you. So have some of those questions prepared, have some ideas of what to ask cleaners, you know, things like that. So um, we're excited to help you along on this journey. We just can't do it. We can't take you to the gym and lift the weights for you, but we'll go to the gym and spot you. (laughs) Love it. Yes. We're all very eager to help, man. Uh, You know, we we just want to, we want to see you succeed. So call the shop. We're, we're super glad you're here. Um, and, uh, and we'll catch you on the next, episode of uh, the short term show, special episodes in Orlando.